Good morning, everybody. Um, so good to be back. Um, I'll be reading from Acts uh, chapter 21, verse 1 to 6. Um, this is the NLT version. After saying farewell to the Ephesian elders, we sailed straight to the island of Kos. The next day, we reached Rhodes, and we went to Patera. We boarded a ship sailing for Phoenicia. We sighted the island of Cyprus, passed it on our left, and landed, and landed at the harbor of Tyre in Syria, where the ship was to unload its cargo. We went ashore, found the local believers, and stayed with them a week. The believers prophesied through the Holy Spirit that Paul should not go to Jerusalem. When we returned to the ship at the end of the week, the entire congregation, including women and children, left the city and came down to the shore with us. There we knelt, prayed, and said our farewells. Then we went aboard, and they returned home. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. All right, good morning. It is uh, great to see you all here this morning. As uh, Sharif said, it's good to be back. Sharif, it's great to have you back. And all of you students who are here, kind of coming back in, and um, we know you have school tomorrow morning, right? There, I did it. I went there. Um, okay, uh, but, but this time together, we get to worship and be shaped and formed and informed and transformed by uh, the, the good news of Jesus. And so that's what we've got and what we've been walking through this morning together. Um, uh, just a heads up, my name is Dave. I'm the lead pastor here at Redemption Tucson. I uh, normally do the bulk of the preaching. And if you're new or you've never heard me preach before, um, I just want to let you know I have a speech impediment. Um, there it is, kind of on display for you. And uh, it'll kind of come in and out as we go. So I just want to make sure that you know what that is um, so you can focus in on Jesus and his word. And um, go ahead and turn with me. We're going to get there pretty quickly in uh, Acts chapter 21. We've been walking through uh, the book of Acts for this whole year, and uh, we're uh, in the, on the kind of the, the end of it, on the back end, and, and it's been really shaping and good. And so, um, again, turn with me there if you have your Bible. If you don't have a Bible, would you hold your hand up high and keep it up, and make sure you keep it up, and somebody will get you a Bible, okay? And if you don't own a Bible, you do now. This is our gift to you, okay? We want to make sure everyone has a Bible they can read and follow along with and understand, and um. También si quieres la Biblia en español y no tienes, por favor levanta su mano y diga español. Y si no tienes una Biblia, eso es un regalo a usted. Y uh, esta mañana estamos en Hechos capítulo 21. Okay, I want to make sure, again, everyone has a Bible that they can read and understand and follow along with in their heart language. Um, amen. And so um, I say amen, and I, I, if you're tracking with me, you can, you can give a little amen back. Um, just to make sure that means I agree or I'm, I'm with you. Um, and, uh, and, and so where we're going to be this morning, what we're going to see is, is this very, very plainly, is that, is that Jesus leads his people through pain, difficulty, and danger. And the way we're going to see it kind of broken down this morning is, um, you know, sometimes it's kind of verse by verse. We kind of walk through this way. But this morning what we see is, is that in this, in this section we're in, this, um, again, verses 1 through 16 of chapter 21, is, is it's more these, these clear dominant themes that are kind of spread out a bit. So, um, you know, so we, we just take God's word as he gives it to us, and that's how we follow along. And so, again, those are the main, the main ideas, the themes. And what's really important about where we're at, as we see here, is that, not only in their time, okay, in the first century, in the early church, they were in this place of wondering, 
God, what does it mean to be your people? And that's the same question we're asking here today. That they were in a place of being formed, that the book Acts, as we often say, but again, if you're new, I want to kind of bring us all up to speed. The big idea of Acts is we're seeing the works of God on display. Okay, it's the, it might say in, your, in the front of your Bible, the Acts of the Apostles, and we're not going to, you know, kind of take issue with that, but, but as you really read, the main idea is the Acts or the works of God. Okay, he's the main character, and it's, amen, and it's God working, yes, through his people, many of whom in this are his apostles, but the big idea is God working through his people and his works on display, and so as his people are being formed and his mission is going forward, there's this question of, God, where are you? What does it, what does it mean to be your people? Are you with us in the real nitty-gritty, the everyday life? And again, the, the clear message that we see here is that Jesus is indeed with his people and he's leading his people through pain and difficulty and even danger. So with that, let's read and come before God and, and ask him, invite him to oversee and lead and shape us in this time together. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this morning we can have together, this time we can have to settle in. And Lord, we're asking all kinds of questions and, and, and specifically this morning, I think we can press into that question of what does it mean to be yours? For those of us who have put our faith in you and perhaps have a long journey of walking with you and having sur surrendered to you, given our lives to you, and for some here, perhaps on the other side of that decision and even wondering what would it look like to be called a Christian? What would it look like? I'm, I'm intrigued or I'm kind of on the outside here wondering what that would look like. Lord, I pray and trust that you will reveal yourself to us, that you will lead us to yourself. So we ask you through the Holy Spirit to open our eyes and our ears and our hearts, and Lord, to, to, to respond to you in faith and in worship this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So let's just pick up where we were actually last week. We're going to just the very last two verses or last couple of verses of where we were uh, last week really bleeds into where we are again this week is remember there's a series of goodbyes that's been happening in chapter 20, verse 36. And when he had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all. This is Paul when he had said these things of this church in Ephesus that he had grown so close to. He'd been with for, for years, for a couple of years and gone through highs and lows and thick and thin and all these different things. And he said some things. He kind of left them with some parting words. There was much weeping on the part of all. They embraced Paul and kissed him, being sorrowful most of all because of the word he had spoken and that they would not see his face again. And they accompanied him to the ship. And then picking up right now in chapter 21, verse 1, And when we had parted from them and set sail, we came by a straight course to coast. And then it goes on, right? And the next day to Rhodes, and it gives kind of more of a travel log, right? Going, well, what we don't see here is we just read is that in, in verse 1, the actual, in the Greek language, what's really, the, the, the language used is much stronger than we see here in the English of, and when we had parted from them, it literally means when we were torn apart from them. Like stronger, emotive, like emotional language. You know, and again, let's just kind of press in, let's be honest here with ourselves, like there's pain in goodbyes, 
right? There are songs written about, I don't want to get too close because I know it'll hurt when we have to say goodbye, you know, for all you country music folk, you, I'm not one of you, by the way, but those of you who are, can bless you. Um, you know, there's, there's this, there's, you know, but it shows up in all different genres. But, you know, this sense of like, it hurts, it's painful to say goodbye, you know, to, to, be, to be torn apart. And yet what we have a tendency of doing, it, just as humans, kind of the human condition is to avoid pain. And, and a big idea throughout as we see Jesus leading his people is to recognize this. He doesn't. He doesn't avoid pain. He doesn't say, you know what, just kind of protect your eyes. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of coddle you. I'm going to put a silver lining around you, and I'm just going to keep you from difficulty. And sometimes that's the message, right? That's, that's kind of the pill that's given for people to swallow. You know, follow Jesus. It's all going to be easy. It's all, and, and just become a Christian. And, and sometimes we believe that. We buy into that. And then what happens when life just smacks you? And you wonder, where, where is Jesus in this? Is he really here? Is he relevant? Is he present? Does he care? Is he powerful? And that shows up in goodbyes, in the reality of life. It shows up here even again and down in verse 5 and 6. And then again, just, there's a constant theme. And as each chapter goes on more and more and more, we're going to see painful goodbyes. Okay, some of us I know just going right there, we've, we've lost loved ones perhaps through death, perhaps through broken relationship, through, through, through an, an unreconciled conflict. And again, we don't do ourselves any good if we just kind of pretend or, or think, or let me say it more plainly, the church or Christianity doesn't do us any good if we just pretend like that's not going to happen. Okay, the reality is there are going to be goodbyes. Right? I, we know that. We've experienced that. And so what we do well is to press in and say, God, what do you do with those goodbyes? Well, the, the, the asterisk that's always there in Christ, if you put your trust in him, you put your faith in him, you're one of his, is that there, there's, there is always a, 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 a yeah, but. Or, or there is this good news that he's sovereign, that he's working but sometimes we go there so quickly that we don't recognize the real pain of where we are right now. And again, as we read these, okay, look, look at me here. Look, look, more importantly, look into, look at God's word and you see he doesn't, he doesn't mince words here. He doesn't try to soften the blow, the, the, the reality of, 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 of weeping. And then again, the harsh language of being torn apart. And I know that that hits home for a lot of us. That that's, it's not just a clean break. It's not like, you know, summer camp, right? Like, hey, it's been great. I'll see you again next week. I'll see you, you know. And, and sometimes, right, there's always like Debbie Downer, like the, who's obviously real. I was never that person, by the way. I was always like, hey, see you. We'll see you again, right? We'll have, a, we'll have a, a, a reunion, right? Our moms will drive 500 miles to make us just hang out again. Like, it's going to happen, right? We're going to do this whole thing. I was always that kid. And then someone else kind of, you know, steps in. In, you know, buzzkill, and is like, eh, probably not. We're ne never going to see each other again. And <laughs> but that's real, <laughs> okay? I don't know that I ever reunited with people from church or from you know summer camp or church camp or whatever it was. And so, what do we what do we do with that? Is Jesus just distant? Is he far? Is he like, yep, sorry, you know, like a nihilist for those of us? Just just suck it up. It's going to be difficult. Go. 
He's far off. He's kind of sitting there like you, silly people. No, he enters in. And you see that this is directly connected here to his good news. This isn't the gospel. Believe Jesus. Put your trust in him. Put your faith in him. And then you will be forgiven of your sins. And then it stops there. And it doesn't inform every other part of your life. That's not the gospel. That's part of the gospel. That's, 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 the, that's the ABCs. That's the beginning, what I just shared with you. That's true and full. But the fullness of the gospel is that, is put your faith in Jesus, be restored to him in relationship, be restored to his people, be reconciled, and have your entire life informed by the reality of who he is. And part of that is that he's present and he's leading his people through pain. And now as we continue on, you see something else that we might miss here. Pick up with me in verse 8. It says, on the next day we departed and came to Caesarea, and we entered the house of Philip the evangelist, who was one of the seven, and we stayed with him. And again, in our kind of day right now, in 2017, we were just kind of, we're walking through this right over the course of the last like 40 or so weeks. We're just going along, and, and you, and we would read this. Well, in, when someone would originally read this, it would be all in one sitting, and usually in a setting like this, and someone with, you know, a good voice or whatever would stand up and would just either recite or would read through this whole thing. And so you would hear that and you've gotten to know Paul a bit through this and you've, you've seen all these different things that God's done through him. But you would also remember that just a number of chapters ago in, in chapter 6 through 8, you saw Philip. And you also knew that he was indeed one of the seven. It was seven of the Greek-speaking Jewish people, and another one of these people was chosen, Stephen. And Stephen was put to death. And this guy, Paul, was there. And different people talk about what his involvement was, but at the very least, we know that people left their cloaks. Like, they're like, hey, you know, watch my stuff. I'm going to go kill this guy, Stephen. And Paul was at the very least participating by like watching people's stuff, right, while they went and did it, or perhaps even overseeing the whole process. And then we go on to hear that before he he put his faith in Jesus, it says that that, uh, Paul was breathing threat, or Saul, before Jesus broke in and changed his name and gave him a new identity and a new purpose, as he does that Saul was breathing threats against the church. He was pursuing. Philip, perhaps very specifically, and at least people like Philip and his friends, trying to to get a hold of him, put him in prison, have him put to death. And now, let's not miss the miracle of Paul. Let's not miss the good news of Jesus so clearly on display that Paul is staying at this guy's house. Who, Who among us here thinks you're beyond reach? You know, you're hearing this, man, you, you, you don't know my story. God, God can't change my life. God can't reconcile me. Or, or, or among us, who do we have in mind that maybe we think they're beyond reach? There's no hope for them. I'm not even going to pray for them. I'm just going to put them on blast on Facebook or whatever it is because you know, they're out of reach. Well, I don't think so. That, that's not in, that's not, that doesn't line up with, with what we see, the power of the gospel. Amen? Do, do we believe the power of the gospel at work in this kind of way? I pray we do. 
I pray that we would have hope, that we would have fervency in our prayer, in our mission, in our evangelism, in our declaration and our display of the gospel at work among us. And that's what we see here. And Paul is reclining at this guy's house, Philip, and then we go on and see another theme again picking up here of not only that Jesus leads his people through pain and painful goodbyes, but also through difficulty. Specifically, difficult decisions. And this is, this is real for these people. Okay, look, look with me here in verse, in verse 4. And having sought out the disciples, we stayed there. So just we, by the way, I've mentioned this before, but if you're, you know, of the uh, kind of, you know, focus type, you know that sometimes it talks about they and sometimes we. It's because the author of this Luke has kind of gone in and out of traveling with them. And at this point now, and, and now going on moving forward, Luke, who's a doctor, is right there with him. And I also love just, he doesn't save himself from this whole process, from the messiness. Okay, church can be messy. All right, let, let, let me give it to a straight real life. Like following Jesus can be messy. And Luke doesn't protect himself from being a participant in that. So he says, again, um, we stayed there for seven days. And through the Spirit, they were telling Paul not to go to Jerusalem. And then again, and we'll get there in a minute, but again, in verses 10 through 12, you see the same thing happening here. And even the language ramps up where people are telling Paul, don't go to Jerusalem. It's not going to go well for you. And in verses 10 through 12, which again, we'll get to in a minute, but um, they, it's like he gets even, he gets like a demonstration, an illustration, like this is what's going to happen to you. It's not going to go well. You're going to get arrested and bound. It's, it's it's not going to be good. Don't go, these people are saying. So there's a difficult decision. Okay, Paul's here. He's got godly friends around him, right? He knows God's word. He's, he's, he, he knows what's at this time would be the, the, the Hebrew scriptures. He, he's got many big chunks of it memorized. He's devoted his life to it. He's been sharing his faith with all these people. He's a godly person, and he's saying, we're going to Jerusalem. And these other people, his friends, are saying, no, 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 don't go. And even in the spirit, they're saying, don't go. It's difficult. All right, let's not distance God's word from the reality and the difficulties of our lives. So wh wh who's right? Well, where do we land? Is Paul... Is Paul just stubborn and foolish and he doesn't take wise counsel and he's just like, I'm out of here, guys. I'm going, you know, I'm going, you can't tell me, you know, la la la, earmuffs on. He's like, you can't inform what I'm doing. I'm just going. And he's, he's being foolish. And some authors and theologians have even said that this is like, there's been even articles written of Paul's mistake. And some people have kind of taken that stance, and then other people have, have, have gone the other route and said, no, no, Paul was in the right. Paul was faithful. These other people are just foolish. These other people are faithless, and they're just trying to cramp Paul's style, and they don't get it, and they don't, have a big, they don't have an eternal perspective, okay? They're not, they're not kingdom people. They don't see the bigness of God's kingdom coming forward, and you give your life for that. So what's going on here? It's either or. And, and let me just say, like, the reality of this is it's, I think it's somewhat of a both and it's messy the holy spirit is leading and overseeing this process paul is devoted 
to God. And he's saying, I will do what you will do. And these people are not just, you know, faithless. They're not just out there sitting there like, man, Paul, this is too hard. Let's just go, let's just go party, live it up. You know, we don't need to do this whole, you know, this whole missionary thing, this whole going in potentially dangerous places. I don't think it's, that's what's going on here. They love him. It's complex. And, 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 and we'll get there in a minute. And, and again, kind of just kind of full, full giveaway here is they do end up going. And he knows it's really dangerous. But again, let's not, let's not try to rescue God from the reality that this is really difficult. I, I know many of us in here have really difficult decisions that we face. Do I take this job or do I take that other one? Do this one seems really wise and really good to do and I really want to do it, but it's also really potentially scary. Do I move into this? Do, what do I do here? Um, I, I'm in this, I have this friendship and, and I don't know what to do about it. Do I keep it going, but it's potentially unhealthy and damaging, but I also see a lot of really good opportunities there and, 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 and I don't know what to do with this. Do I, do I move on or do I, do I kind of dig in and move even closer and press in? Right? We've got a ton of these decisions. I'll tell you what came to mind for me as I was prepping for this is, man, and I've done this before. I've stood in front of people. I, went, I worked for a college ministry, and, and, and I would stand, and I would declare boldly, you know, go anywhere, do anything, say anything, lay your life down for the gospel, and, and I still believe that. But as I was prepping for this, I was picturing my now five-year-old daughter, you know, having a conversation with her one day. You know, Dad, I'm thinking about joining the military. Or, Dad, I'm, I'm thinking about going and investing my life in this really dangerous place cross-culturally and going and living somewhere that perhaps is not very safe for women. And, but I want to go and I want to give my life and I want to lay it down for the gospel. Man, I'll just tell you, my arrogance has gotten put in check a little bit. <laughs> As I, as I think ahead to that potential day of what that will look like with my own kids as they wrestle through difficult decisions. So what do you do with that? I think a really helpful question to ask ourselves is to be honest, to be real, and to even say, what, what's at my heart level here? Why am I doing this? Is if you're taking notes, you, this is I say this often, constantly, in fact. Is this for God's glory and others' good? And will I find my joy in it as I surrender to Him? And when you, I mean, and that sounds really simple, right? God's glory, others' good, my joy. Boom, it just rolls off the tongue. Even my tongue, right, which gets hung up a bit, right? It's just, you can just, like, how am I, you know, I can do this thing. I can, it's no problem. But then when you really wrestle in, when you're facing these difficult decisions, you can, you ask these questions. And that's what Paul and these people are doing. They're, they're, they're wrestling with it. Paul, as we'll see, answers, and he, he says what's driving him. Um, some people have said, so if you're, again, if you're thinking really practical here, how do, you, how do you walk through difficult decisions? Again, I think have that mantra. What's at my heart level here? What's driving me? Is there an, is there, is there an, an um, idolatry? Is there, a, is there something else that's replacing God? Something else that I'm finding my identity and my purpose and my pleasure and my joy in 
that is that, is that vying here? Is that trying to, is there a, a tug of war in my heart? And, and is that going on? Or, or am I genuinely committed to, to God and his mission and his plans and his purposes and his glory? And through that, other people's good. Is that what's going on? And then really practically, some kind of classic wise counsel that's been given has been this. And I don't have it up on the screen here, but if you're taking notes, you can follow. It's called the four, the four, um, the four counsels. And it's this. It begins with the counsel of God the Holy Spirit, first and foremost. Am I surrendered to God the Holy Spirit? And we've, I just real quick, and we've kind of talked about this. If you put your trust in Jesus, your faith in him, you have the Holy Spirit. You are indwelt with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit now, now chooses to reside within you. Okay, that's a, that's a crazy maker, but it's also the most encouraging r- reality for how we go through everyday life. The Holy Spirit, number one, the counsel of God the Holy Spirit leading you going forward. Well, how does he do that? Number two, through his word. The holy scriptures given by God, the inerrant, perfect word of God given that is profitable for teaching and, re- and rebuke and instruction. God the Holy Spirit, not just in a vacuum, but, but indwelling me and speaking through his word. Okay, the second counsel, God's word. And then the third counsel, God's community that he's provided alongside me to walk in. People, Lord willing, our desire and our prayer is people from all kinds of different backgrounds and walks of life, age, you know, age diversity, right? Older people, younger people, people from a different cultural background than us, from different paradigms who can maybe see some of our blind spots. All these different things, this beautiful picture of living as God's people. And, and, and right, and we talk about that, okay? That's not just, you know, pie in the sky, diversity. You know, we're just kind of talking about that because that's like you see very practically here the very real gift of God's people growing as an, 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 as an, an eclectic body, that I know, man, I have blind spots that my friend who's in his you know, early 60s will maybe see some of the blind spots that I, as a, as a few kind of stages behind, don't see. Or I have a predominantly Western worldview, or you know, I'm, I'm white and middle class. I might miss some things in these decisions, these difficult decisions that some of my friends that I'm in community with might see and be able to, and I give, I open up the doors and, and say, please speak into my life. And then that happens on the reverse. And it's this beautiful picture of what it means to be God's people. And that's all throughout Acts. Amen. So that's the third counsel, okay? The Holy Spirit speaking through the word of God in the context of community of others that we're surrounded and then ultimately kind of coming back around through the conscience that he's given us, okay? At the end of the day, okay, you're responsible for the decisions that you make, okay? And so God's given you choices. He's given you a conscience that Yes, the Holy Spirit now informs and speaks into and through these other things in this whole context. And that sounds really clear, right? The Holy Spirit, the Holy Scriptures, gospel-centered community, number three, and then the conscience that he's given you, number four. It's not always perfectly lined up like that. You know, again, it's messy. But just use that grid as you're walking through difficult decisions. Is it for God's glory, others' good, and is my joy found in those things? And then walk through those four counsels. And then, okay, be encouraged by this. Uh, St. Augustine famously said, you can kind of take, he's an early church father from the 400s. And he, he, he famously said this. He said, love God and 
Do what you want. By the way, if you know these quotes I'm about to say, you can just finish it for me. If I get stuck there like that, it's okay. My wife does it all the time. Okay. <laughs> love God and do what you want. Well, what does that mean? Okay, I love God. I go to church. I, you know, whatever. I do these things. I have bumper stickers. I'm, I'm a Christian. I do this stuff. Okay, I love God. Now I'll just do whatever I want. I don't, I don't go through that grid. I don't wrestle over it. I don't pray over it. I just, I just do what I want. Well, no, it, it follows in line with places like in um, Psalm Psalm chapter 37, verse 4, which says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. So again, in our broken world, in our sinful kind of human condition, right, which be, because of sin, we've, we've stepped away from God and said, you know, I'll do it on my own, and that's still a re- reality for us. The kind of theological word in the scriptures is the flesh. Because of that, because we have that, we read things like that and we think, okay, love God, all right, God, I love you, whatever. Now, give me, give me, give me, do what I want. I'm in, I know what I want, you will give me what you want. And we even quote God at, at his own word. We say, Psalm, Psalm 37, 4, I'm delighting in you, I'm singing songs, I'm here, now give me what I want. Well, that's not the order, that's not really what's going on here. It's what it is, is if you delight yourself in the Lord, if you surrender in him, if your whole worldview, again, the idolatry, the, the ways that we take created things and we replace God with them, we replace the creator with those things and we, and we make good things that God has given, ultimate things that shape our lives and, 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 and drive us and, and show us and, and we, we do everything to feed those things. Okay, that's idolatry in the scriptures that's not, that's not what it's saying here. What it's saying is, God, I give you my heart. I surrender those things to you continually. And then he will now instill in us the desires of our heart. Okay, or more plainly put, the desires of your, of your heart will come from the Lord, will align with him and his character and his will and his plans and his purposes as you delight in him, as you surrender to him. And in that, you see this incredible good news that Jesus is with his people. He's leading through difficulty. And just one last little, little, little thing I want to make sure we get before we move on to the last, the last point is this. Okay, hear me. I think it's really important. You need to continually be in his word. Okay, I, I heard someone say a faithful saint, if you will, right? You guys, some of you older people know what I'm saying. That's, that's a nice way of saying, you know, a really old guy who I love and respect and, and have learned from incredibly. His name's Tom Schrader and this really godly guy. He's, um, he's influenced and formed and shaped. He's the founding pastor of what's now Redemption Gilbert and he's actually preached down here and some of you guys have heard him and well, he said this, he's, and, and like he does, he just says these things, kind of walks around and kind of, you know, has his elbow on the side. And he said something so profound. He said, you know, and again, this is life lived. This is massive, difficult decisions this guy has walked through time after time. He actually lost his wife in all these difficult things they've walked through in the, in, the, in the like 25 years as a church. And he said, you know, I don't think God's ever spoken to me through scriptures that I didn't know. 
You know, we, we often think, all right, here goes, just, you know, boom, where are you? Okay, um, I don't know, it's, and it said, you know, you must, you know, sacrifice your cows. And Okay, God, I don't know how that speaks to me, but I'll, I'll find a way, right? No, as you submit yourself to the Scriptures continually, and you're pouring over God's Word, and you're surrendering your heart, and day in and day out, and that doesn't have to mean, like, you sit at the, at the table, and you open it, and you journal, or you do this. Like, you know, there's, there's a lot of freedom in this, okay? You could look, listen to God's Word as you work out, as you run, as you drive, you know, whatever it is that you're doing, you're, but you're in, some, and in your community, but whatever it is, it means that you're recognizing that I have a propensity to wander, and your Word is a gift to keep me tethered to you. Okay, we, you need to continually be in God's Word, and that is a gift that will help guide and direct in the context of community, surrendering and trusting God the Holy Spirit, even as Jesus leads you, not away from and avoiding difficulties, but leading you through difficulty. And then finally, we see this incredible good news that Jesus even leads through dangerous possibilities. Okay, so again in verse 4, we, we, we kind of hunker down there and we see these people filled with the Spirit prophesied and said, don't go to Jerusalem. And then now we'll dive in to verse 10. Pick up with me there. And then they go and they travel right there at Philip's house and they meet this other guy. It says, while we were staying for many days, a prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. And coming to us, he took Paul's belt and bound his own feet and hands and said, Thus says the Holy Spirit, this is how the Jews at Jerusalem will bind the man who owns this belt and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. And now, yeah, Paul could have said, why'd you have to take my belt and do all that? And, you know, you could have just told me that, <laughs> you know. There is some drama here, which is very consistent with um, prophets of the day. You know, there's like, no, I got to show you. I, give me your belt. And I don't even know if he asked, right? He might have just taken it. And then it's all, but either way, he, and it's funny, you can laugh at this stuff, right? It's, but it's like, and enter into it and see what's going on here. And he does this display. So again, we go back to why is Paul going then? He still goes on to Jerusalem. He still does this. His friends earlier in a different place, verse 4, warned him. They prophesied in the Spirit. So is Paul being disobedient? Is there a problem here? They're in the Spirit. Well, what I think likely happens, what a lot of people press into, and a lot of theologians that I've read and, and really dug into this, is that you see here, Agabus does this, right? He binds his hands, his feet, he tells, but he doesn't say, therefore, don't go. A lot of times we fill in the blanks, right? We, again, sometimes from really good motives, we care about people, okay? Parents, you love your kids, right? Siblings, friends, you love someone so much and you say, this is what I'm seeing, I want to speak into this, and then maybe we go a little bit further, Again, earlier in verse 4, they prophesied in the Spirit that this would happen. They knew it would happen. And they maybe took it a little step further and said, therefore, don't go. And that's, and that's a problem. Okay, so when we're on the other side of someone's difficult decisions, even going into potential danger, right, you're going to be bound up. Like, that sounds pretty bad, 
right? Like you usually, you don't like, all right, cool, sign me up. I'm going to get my hands and feet tied up by my own belt or, you know, or like that's a picture. I'm like, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to, I'm going to go this way. But, 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 but hear me, to follow Jesus doesn't always mean to avoid pain. Okay, to follow Jesus doesn't always mean to avoid pain and difficulty. And look how Paul responds. Okay, this is, this is key. Follow up here in verse 13. Okay, so Paul's hearing this. It's happened a couple times. He's walking through this in the council of community. And then look what he says. Then Paul answered, what are you doing? Weeping and breaking my heart. For I am ready not only to be imprisoned, but even to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus, for the mission of God, for Jesus' plan and his direction and what he's doing. I'm ready to die for that. Again, if we were to read through Acts all in one sitting, we would see that right after Jesus, Jesus revealed himself to Paul and said, Paul, why are you persecuting me? And then Jesus said, who are you, Lord? And, and he surrendered to him and followed him. And then simultaneously, the spirit goes and tells this other guy, hey, I want you to go talk to this guy, Paul, who I just called out, I just saved, I just rescued, he's going to be mine. And then this other guy says, I don't really want to go there. This guy, Ananias, I don't know. Have you heard about Paul? I don't know if you've heard, you know, God, he's dangerous. And, and then he says, no, trust me, I want you to go tell him how he must suffer for my name. Again, Jesus didn't protect him. Even in his evangelism, uh-oh, come on, even in his evangelism, he doesn't save people from the reality of what it means to follow him. Right, right away, he shares the gospel, you know, which, in, which Jesus had the upper hand, right? He just shows himself and calls, you know, we get to tell about Jesus and show him on display, but Jesus, in this case, just shows himself to Paul, says, come and follow me, and then, and then right away, he tells him, you're going to suffer. Okay, we, we uh, walked through Mark, uh, I think, last year, and we saw a similar theme there, that Jesus, out of his own words, told people, come and follow me, but he didn't say, you know, the the, I got quotes going on, the prosperity gospel, right? He didn't just say, it's going to be really easy. It's, oh man, it's, it's so good. It's so cool. It's awesome, right? Christian lingo, right? He, no, he says, um, you know, he who seeks to save his own life will actually lose it. But he who, he who gives away his life will find it. So, so take up your cross and follow me. And I don't think people were like, you know, were like, kind of tripping over each other to get in line to follow him. But he's real. He doesn't rescue us from, from the difficulty of what it means to follow him. The same thing said earlier. I just want to go back to where we were last week because I, I mentioned this is kind of like Paul's life verse. Right, if you remember here in verse 24 here, Paul gives this of, of chapter 20. So it's up here on the screen on the screen, I think, or you can, you can at least track with me or hear this. In, in, in chapter 20, verse 24, Paul gives an even more forceful account of his response to, why would I follow Jesus into potential danger? And he says this, I do not account my life of any value nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course in the ministry that I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. In a nutshell, my whole life, my identity and my purpose is informed and shaped and directed by the good news of Jesus, by, by God restoring me as his image bearer, by God directing every part of my life. Huh. 
Right? We say all of life is all for Jesus. I, I give, I surrender all. So what do we do with that? When I was a young whippersnapper, right, like in college and just for me, I'm not talking about you guys, okay, don't, but I was foolish. I was arrogant in a lot of ways. I thought I had all these things. I've told some of these silly stories I did. I was pretty sure I was going to go to like some far off land and get martyred, you know, pretty young. And totally looking back, I mean, it was interwoven with some good intentions, but also just I wanted glory and like, oh, man, it's going to be awesome. You know, I'm going to be in Fox's Book of Martyrs one day. And how many people are going to be at my funeral? It's going to be amazing. You know, right, guys, some guy, like some of you or anyone tracking with me here, okay, I had some of these really foolish things. So what do we do? Do we, do we take this stuff and say, yeah, you know, just, you know, embrace the, 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 the poverty gospel. I got to be poor. I got to give everything away. I've got to go and, and, be, and be crazy and go just live in the most dangerous place and all that. Is that what it means to be a faithful Christian? Let me read you this quote, this really helpful quote from a guy named Oswald Chambers who says this, to choose to suffer means that there is something wrong. Okay, so if he would have met me in my early 20s, he would have said, something wrong with you. However, to choose God's will, even if it means suffering, is a very different thing. No healthy saint ever chooses suffering. But he or she chooses God's will as Jesus did, whether it means suffering or not. There's a massive difference there. What is, how does the gospel inform potential danger? I don't know what kind of what kind of uh, what kind of kind of difficult decisions everyone in this room has is facing. Okay, what kind of pain you've walked through? I don't know what it means. You might have a policy that says we never ever you know pick up hitchhikers because it could be dangerous and we do this and right this is real okay this is how it kind of lands the plane and goes from up here ethereal in the sky to real everyday life what does it mean as a family you know to give our lives to surrender to Jesus what does it mean as a as a as a young single person to say I want to faithfully follow Jesus and go all in and be a part of his mission going forward and yet how does wisdom come in do I let someone stay on my couch I have a spare room do I give that up to this person who spent some time in prison to this, you know, ex-addict or, you know, what, is, what does it look like? What do I really do? Okay, first of all, I pray that we have those wrestling matches, that we walk through those difficult decisions because that's real. And again, I don't know in every case what you do with that. But I know that you come and say, God, I surrender all. How in my life, in my circumstances right now, do I glorify you? Do I be a part of carrying out your mission? How do I, how do I enter through difficult decisions? How do I even, even walk through pain that maybe you're not saying, you know, or, or danger that maybe you're not saying, oh, don't do that, run away, that's not wise. And it, like, we go there too quickly. A lot of times. No, of course God wouldn't call me to that. It could be dangerous. It could be, it could be difficult. No, of course not. Again, in community, in, 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 you know, in, 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 conver- in submitting to God's word, in prayer, he will lead his people. He always does. So lastly, this is how we see the gospel at work here. 
And you see this all throughout the message of the gospel shaping Paul and these people, this early church, these followers of Jesus as they walk through pain and difficulty and even potential danger. You see the, the full counsel of the gospel is this. This shapes us, everyone, hear me, Christian. It's this, Jesus saying, I have died for you. So now you can die for others. You don't have to fear death because I've already conquered it for you. And then Jesus raising from the dead, saying, listen, you now understand that your eternal promise, your eternal inheritance is, 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 is resurrection. And that Jesus right now, presently, is ruling over all, is seated on the throne saying, behold, I am making all things new. He's in control. And he says, if you find yourself in me, if you put your faith in me, if you have, you have died to self and been raised again to new life in Jesus, that's what we say when someone's baptized and they're baptized, okay, you, you, they hear those words. You, you are now dead to sin and raised again to new life through faith in Jesus. And then it doesn't stop there and say, okay, cool, now you have a get out of hell free card. Amen? He says, now you get glory, you get eternity. And then Jesus says, and look how I lived my life. I gave it up for the good of others, so now you can do the same. Jesus doesn't say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to protect you and by keeping you away from pain and difficulty and danger. He says, all power has been given to me, and I'm with you. I will never leave you or forsake you. Jesus, very presently, very real, leads his people through pain and difficulty and danger. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, for loving us enough to give us your word, to send your spirit, Lord, to lead us to yourself, to woo us, to call us. We pray that now as we enter into this time of response that we will be exhorted and convicted where need be and encouraged and emboldened where need be. And we pray that we would have a more clear understanding of what it means to surrender to you, Jesus, to be yours on an individual level, to put our faith in you, on a communal level, to be your people. In Jesus' name, amen.